The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, as we record this new episode. The day after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is known as the slowest day in sports for the calendar year. So I figured this would be a good time to look ahead at the remaining 70 games of the 2022 season. Joining me to look ahead at the remaining 72 games of the 2022 post All-Star break is our best friend of the show from Fangraphs.com. It's Dan Zaborski. And hello, Dan. Thanks for joining us again. And how did you enjoy the All-Star game? I Well, I enjoyed the home run derby the most. The All-Star game is always the least exciting part of All-Star week for me. Yeah, the All-Star game is now, it's just like the big stage for pitchers. You don't see a lot of runs scored. And I think it's like the under has hit 13 out of the last 16 games. And we saw home runs. Uh, Goldschmidt had a home run. John Carl Stanton had that home run. Byron Buxton had the game-winning home run, but he doesn't win MVP because of the Yankees fans. 
yeah. So, but it's just like a, a showcase now of pitchers, which obviously we see so many great pitchers in this league, but my gosh, all the strikeouts that we saw and after the first inning, the national league hitters didn't have a prayer. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to compare the all-star game to kind of like uh, a, a rat pack movie. It, it's there's a, some of like the bad rat pack movies are just kind of like everybody showing up and doing their thing. And then it, just goes on meaningless, meaninglessly for a couple hours, and then it just it just kind of ends, uh, and that's that's kind of what I, I compare the All Star Game to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the home run because it's not really a real game of baseball. It's not played like a real game of baseball, and now it never truly was. But you did kind of see, you know, uh, once you go back before 1990, you see pictures generally had three innings. Uh, most of the stars played more during the game. Uh, it felt kind of like a real game instead of just kind of everyone does their little cameo and does their little catchphrase of appearing and and, and such. Uh, someone joked on Twitter that the All-Star game should just be uh, six hours of like music introductions for every player in baseball. And that would be entertaining just to see what they do. Uh, but I, I enjoy the other things more. I enjoy Home Run Derby more uh, because it, it feels like that, that the players almost care about it more. Uh, they seem to be more into it. Uh, I love the futures game and I even love the celebrity softball game because it's fun to hear, see celebrities, many of whom I don't know anymore, which, which upsets me uh, kind of pairing up with players and, and it's, it's nonsense, but it's enjoyable nonsense. So then there's the all-star game. It's like, it's okay. It's like, yeah, it's better than the pro bowl. So that's something. That is something. All right. Shifting to the white Sox. the good news, the white Sox have won five of their last six games against the guardians and twins before the break. The bad news is that they're still only at 500 after 92 games this season. They are 46 at 46. How does zips like the white Sox chances of leaping the guardians and catching the twins post all-star break? Well, they have closed the, the gap by enough that they are the slight favorite in zips and in the fan graphs, odds last I checked, uh, depending on assumptions, because I mean, it, it all comes down to playing time assumptions and the like. Uh, Zips sees the, the Twins over, the White Sox over the Twins over a full season as about eight games better than the Twins. And the Fangrass projections, I think, are more like five or six. Uh, but when you have three games over a little less than half a season, then it, it, it becomes kind of a close thing, but the White Sox slightly favored. Uh, the, I just checked their uh, 54%, excuse me, 43% to win the division over the Twins at 36% in, in uh, fan graphs, and Zips has, has them a little better, about 51%. Uh, generally, Zips has liked the White Sox a tad more. Uh, but it's it, the amusing thing is that at the start of the season, some people got mad at me because Zips was was too mean about the Zips. And I wrote a piece about this, about the White Sox last week. And I got a lot of comments on Zips is being too nice to the White Sox. It's like these two groups of people need to kind of like meet each other outside of me and just kind of come to an agreement. Well, they won't come to an agreement. We've been doing this show for nine years. We know <laughs> that they're not going to come to agreement. So that's what Zips thinks. And there's a difference, obviously, between the Zips projected standings and Fangraphs projected standings. I often see that on Twitter. People will reference the Fangraphs projected standings and say, well, this is what Zips is thinking. No, there is a difference between the two. And as Dan mentioned, the odds of the White Sox winning the American League Central and making the postseason, according to the Fangraphs projected standings. But when I look at those projections, Dan, it has the White Sox 
finishing the season at 84 and 78. That would be a, sorry, that would be a mild disappointment, obviously. It would be, but moving away from like the projections, like thank you for the percentages, but my gut and my brain says an 84 win team in the American league is not going to make the postseason. I don't think 84 wins is going to be good enough to win the American league central. How do you feel about that, Dan? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Well, remember, since that's that's like the median, uh, the on during the fifty percent of times they win the AL Central, they'll have more wins than that, and the fifty percent times that they don't, they'll probably have a little few, a couple fewer wins than that. Uh, I I think that uh, one thing, I, a point I did make in my piece, I, I keep going back to it because I'm actually plugging something I wrote, which is unusual for me. Uh, uh, I, I Zips actually sees the White Sox as relative to their regular season estimated roster strength as the team with the biggest bump going into a playoff format, simply because the, the good things about the white Sox generally are geared well towards playoff success. Uh, for example, the top few starting pictures, uh, once you get into a, a, a postseason situation and you get, you know, a lot of Dylan C's and Lucas Giolito and hopefully a, a pitching normally Lance Lynn, that that's a good thing for, for the white Sox. Uh, their depth isn't as big a deal in a playoff scenario. When you look kind of at the lineup and if they can leverage their top players, that, that is also another, another area that, that is a strength, even despite the record uh, and their bullpen is still, you know, expected once you look at projections as one of the stronger ones in baseball, uh, uh, Zips had him like fifth. I think Fangrass has him sixth or seventh right now. Uh, it's it's it is a good team to to make the once they get into the playoffs. And kind of the silver lining is that winning the division and winning the wild card are essentially the same thing. So that's not too bad because there's no chance they're going to catch the Astros or the Yankees even if they win the division. So I mean, as I said, the sky is not falling. It's just. It's just a little disappointing. It's, it's thundering a little. So from your perspective, when you look at the American League Central teams, and again, this is now a three-team race because Detroit and Kansas City are still wandering directionless. How, do, how would you lay out as far as the team's most likely to win the Central? Like if you were to handicap this race for the final 70 games of the season between the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox, who do you like the most out of those three? I like the Sox even a little more than Zips does simply because Zips is looking at, you know, the current roster and who's available. And I think the White Sox have are incentivized to be more aggressive at the trade deadline than either the Twins or Guardians are. The Guardians aren't going all in this season. Uh, I don't think the Twins are. And you know, the White Sox don't usually go all in, but there's at least a chance they do simply because the the, the obvious benefit is there. And since the White Sox have a few very obvious holes, Theoretically, at least, I mean, we, we seem to have this talk every year. They could choose to aggressively fill those holes. Uh, they might not, of course, but the possibility does exist. It does. They need a left-handed bat who plays right field. Oh, look, Juan Soto <sighs> is now available. I think you, I think here's the, th- see, if the, if the Nats are interested, I think you just, you just go in the farm system and just say, take whatever you want <laughs> just give us soto and ideally don't give us patrick corbin or we're going to take a few of those names back from you 
Well, I think anyone that wants Soto is going to have to take Patrick Corbin. I don't think you're going to have an option there. I guess that's fine. I mean, you could just DFA him and <laughs> go on yeah. your way. Yeah, but that's another. I think it's like it's like fifty nine million he's owed. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. Oh man, yeah, that's 50, terrible. So I mean, it's like going like to get like a sandwich and saying, yeah, like a like a a, 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 a roast beef and Swiss on rye. It's like, okay, do you want the combo? Uh, no. Well, we're only selling the roast beef and a combo. Okay, okay, what's the combo? Oh, oh, we have a bag of dog poop. <laughs> wait, wait, can I just have the sandwich and you just keep the dog poop? Uh, no, and you have to eat it. Wait, wait, what is this? What is this sandwich shop doing? <laughs> oh, you have to pay $50 for it. Wait. <laughs> what? Yeah. How is this a good deal? Yeah. But no, I I think that for some teams, they can consider Patrick Corbin kind of the price of essentially buying back prospects that they would trade to the Nats. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that works better for teams like maybe the Dodgers or even the Padres. I don't think, I think the White Sox would probably rather give up more in prospects than have to give out that 59 million. The thing about the trade deadline is that I am assuming the Minnesota twins will be more aggressive than the White Sox, especially what we saw in you Minneapolis. Think and the reason I think that Dan is that, I think Correa is gone after this season. It is, and it is a chance, but you look at it and you look at the shortstop options that are out there, this trade deadline, there's not a lot out there. I mean, Jose Iglesias might be the best player at the trade deadline. Uh, you could, th did, did Correa get a no trade clause? I'm nope. trying to remember. No. Nope. Uh, theoretically, they could trade Korea for someone that helps win now. I, I think Minneapolis would have a meltdown. They wouldn't. Yeah, they probably wouldn't. But it's just fun to kind of workshop that in your head. Uh, I think the problem with the Twins is they're not really bad anywhere. They're just kind of meh everywhere. And those teams are kind of hard to upgrade. Uh, like you look like who is their worst offensive starting player? It's like whoever is in left, but they're not even probably a replacement level. And it, it it gets it's a little harder to upgrade a team like that uh, when when you can look at the White Sox and please get a second baseman, please get a right fielder, please do something. Uh, I, I think that the that the weak parts of of the White Sox are considerably weaker than the Twins. Well, I think for the Twins, I've I've been always working with the assumption that at some point they're going to acquire another starting pitcher via trade, whether that's Montas or Luis Castillo. It sucks for them that Royce Lewis tore his ACL because I figured that would be a very attractive trade piece to acquire either Castillo or Montas. But we had a big fan meetup in Minneapolis, Dan. So many of us uh, in the White Sox blogosphere got an opportunity to watch the games in person. And that Twins bullpen is not very good. And if they're losing and they come into the game like they're losing bullpen, uh, just makes matters worse. And it just, I get the sense that out of Minneapolis, Twins fans want the Twins to acquire at least two pitchers before the deadline, a starter and a reliever. And I, as a White Sox fan, and this being a White Sox podcast, we just always assume the worst. I'm assuming the Twins are going to be a better roster or a stronger roster if they can make those moves before. August 2nd. So that's why when I'm looking at these projected standings, my heart is filled with hope 
but I know that things are going to change, especially rosters across all of Major League Baseball in the next couple of weeks with the trade deadline. The White Sox farm system is improving, but I don't know if they have the the right amount of pieces to make a significant move, if that makes sense, Dan. Well, I think that if you look at some of the players who are traded in some of these trades, there's, there's a certain, you don't need to, a lot of trades haven't involved, you know, the, the best prospect in the organization very often. And I think the White Sox do have some, you know, pretty good prospects. You know, Zips, if we recall, loves Brian Ramos yes. a lot. Uh, and he hasn't struggled or anything. He's been perfectly fine at high A. So uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, Eric Longenhagen actually did put Ramos at the top of uh, his prospect list this year, uh, although he's just a 45 plus. So he's not like an elite prospect or anything. Uh, I guess, I mean, some of these answers, I just don't know yet. Uh, we'll have to see in two weeks for that, you know, because we had the weird August 2nd deadline this year. That we do. I'm thinking the White Sox for our listeners. I think they have to go 42 and 28 in the last 70 games of the season to win the Central. And that puts them at an 88 and 74 record. That should be achievable, right? It's achievable. I think Zips isn't projecting that. Zips is projecting like 85. But I mean, 88, 85, that's just that's that's almost rounding error considering the error bars, generally speaking. Yeah, if they could win the division. They'll be the number three seed. And then yeah. if they could win that series at home, they're going to Houston, which, yay. Uh, how do the White Don't worry, Sox... Don't worry, the Twins will lose to the... the, the oh, but the Twins aren't going to get to play the Yankees because the Yankees are going to get a bye. Yeah, yeah. That's so, weird. Maybe the, maybe the Twins aren't allowed to make the playoffs unless they can get swept by the Yankees. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny if that uh, postseason losing streak continues outside of just the Yankees. But, well, I mean, the, the last... Or the, tw- or the Twins dominate in their three game set and then get swept again. <laughs> yeah, that's, that'd be their luck. So how do the white Sox get there? Well, let's take a look at the position players and Dan, who do you think is poised to have a big post all-star break from the white Sox hitters? Oh, uh, well, I, I, I think that you look at who's good and I think it's, there's not really a lot of surprises. Uh, I don't think the national media has really talked about it much, but Jose Abreu has made some significant plate discipline adjustments uh, this year. Some, some pretty solid ones. And I think that's paying off. And I think he's going to continue to hit uh, uh, probably better than the projections were coming into the season. Uh, I I'm still a fan of Tim Anderson. I'm still a fan of if he's ever healthy for more than a day in, in a row, uh, Eloy Jimenez. And I think Andrew Vaughn has really come along this around this season. I'm much more optimistic than I was at the start of the season. I know we've had this discussion before, but my worry with Vaughn was that he he lost 2020. He was put right into the fire in 2021. And, you know, his usage was kind of awkward uh, the way he was kind of jerked around. Uh, it's been mostly better this year. I mean, there's still been some weird lineups, especially early in the season. But I, I think he's kind of gotten over that hump and he's a lot more comfortable in the majors. Not a defensive player, really. Uh, I, 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 I don't think that he should be in the outfield very often, if possible. Uh, but I, I do think his bat, I, I like it a lot more than at the start of the season. I'm a lot more confident in him. So he's someone who I, I can see really, you know, getting some media attention uh, over the over the hall. I don't know why he hasn't gotten more attention. He has an 820 OPS in a season when nobody's hitting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The one player that I have circled is Yohan Makata, which on fan graphs, you could see the rest of season Zips projections for individual players. And Zips is projecting that Makata will be worth 1.2 war in his remaining 70 games, which is great because he's having a terrible season when you look at it overall and dealing with injury, that's a double whammy. But in Makata's last 12 games, Dan, he's hitting 302 with a 362 on base percentage and slugging 488. That's more like it when meeting expectations for Yohan Makata. Can Makata be that player? Because as you mentioned, Luis Robert has had spurts of greatness. Jose Abreu has been putting up great numbers since early May. Tim Anderson was an all-star. Is Makata the player to watch for from the White Sox in the all-star break that could help fuel a White Sox turnaround in the last 70 games? I I think there's a real chance of that. Uh, His... Even with injury, I mean, his struggles this year have been almost confusing at times. Uh, his, his, I mean, some of his, like his walk numbers are way down. Uh, and and it, 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 it's just kind of weird the season he's had. It's been just a very odd year. And But he, but he has a, a pretty good history. I mean, he has a four-war season in him, a five-win season. It was, he was okay in 2020, uh, probably a little underrated because people looked at the batting average. I, I mean, I think he's a, a very solid player and and he'd be hard pressed to do worse in the second half than the first. Yeah. Uh, so moving over to the pitcher side, what do you make of Johnny Cueto's season so far? Hey, Johnny Cueto has gotten onto the mound and that is kind of a plus for Johnny Cueto because, I mean, his, his injury history is lengthy. Uh, I don't think he's pitching as well as his ERA. Uh, if you look at his peripheral numbers, they're not quite there but i think that he'll be able to eat innings for the team uh he he has gone you know fairly deep into games he's averaging like you know six and point something innings per start which is essentially the equivalent of old hoss radborn in 2022 uh i think that as long as the Sox are in a position where they're expecting big things from him they'll be okay uh he's just kind of a good workhorse guy that you know the player Dallas Keuchel was not this year. Uh, so he's perfectly fine, but uh, whether the the Sox are playing October baseball or not, probably isn't going to come down to Cueto. Well, that's the hope. However, what we've seen the last couple of months, like Lucas Giolito had a terrible June, a terrible June. His month ERA was well above seven, but he's bounced back in the last three to four starts. But as soon as Lucas Giolito is bouncing back, Lance Lynn has given up big innings. Michael Kopech, as far as his starts, have been a little inconsistent. 
it's almost like, wow, Johnny Cueto is the second most consistent, dependable starting pitcher at the moment for the White Sox behind Dylan Cease. And no, that was not part of the game plan uh, before the season. So l- let's bring these three into the pile. Giolito, Lance Lynn, Michael Kopech. Who do you like the most in the last 70 games to help out Dylan Cease to lead this rotation? Uh, I think uh, you look at Giolito. He, I, I still think that he's, He's pretty solid because there's nothing that fundamentally different about him that makes you worry. The home runs are up the season that he had a couple months where he had a lot, a lot, but home runs are really volatile. That's what I warned people about with Corbin Burns a few years ago, because people were like, how could you protect Corbin Burns to be a league average starter? He allowed like, what was it? 18 home runs and five innings. It wasn't, that's a made up number, but it, it, it was like 37 innings or something. I'm, I'm going completely off off memory, which is not good because I'm aging. Uh, but home runs are volatile and, and people tend to take both big runs where you allow a ton of home runs or or seasons where you allow like none as as, as baselines. Uh, Gilita's baseline expectation is realistically fewer home runs than he's allowed. And that kind of takes care of, of most of the problem. It's not like he's lost four miles per hour on his fastball or, or he's getting crushed or uh, for, from an, a velocity standpoint, and it's not like, you know, the contact numbers have like collapsed in a in a troubling manner. Uh, in fact, they're just a couple percent off his usual, and actually better than his career average. So I'm confident Giolito. Lynn, of course, is tricky because he has been injured, and uh, he doesn't look that different to me. He looks just kind of like Lance Lynn, who has like, you know, seven different fastballs of slightly different variants. But that, that's what Lance Lynn does. That's Lance Lynn stuff. Uh, I think he'll be fine in the end. Uh, and of course, uh, Kopech, uh, my concern, of course, is that he's missed so much time that the innings might be hard on him, uh, even being very careful. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of endurance built up at this point. Uh, I mean, he's, he's missed a lot of time. So let me throw a hypothetical trade idea out to you. The White Sox acquire a starting pitcher and move Michael Kopech back to the bullpen for the remaining 70 games in the postseason. Good idea, bad idea. I I think I'd do that, although I don't know if I want to necessarily use Kopech in kind of a traditional bullpen role. I might want him for some like three-inning specials, filling in the spots. Uh, I'd want to still keep give him multi-inning outings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just, I always had this worry when you move a guy into relief, will he ever come back again? Well, it's like almost going yeah. off. It's almost like going off a diet sometimes. If I cheat and I have a bucket of fried chicken, am I going to not eat fried chicken tomorrow? Yeah, that's what I've been battling with all year. Uh- <laughs> mm, now I want some fried chicken. <laughs> no kidding. It does sound good. Damn it, Dan. No, the the reason I I toss on hypothetical out is because the innings are going to be a a point of contention when handling Michael Kopech. The White Sox wanted to limit his amount of innings this season, but now they're really going to need all hands on deck and, you know, is the best way of handling Michael Kopech to make sure he doesn't burn out and you still got him in the postseason is limit him to two or three innings per outing. But the White Sox still need five starters, so – 
Is that the unexpected turn or an unexpected trade at the deadline? I mean, it was Craig Kimbrell was the unexpected acquisition of the trade deadline last year for the White Sox. Obviously, that didn't work out. Oh, God, but, I thought that was I thought that was going to be OK. Whoops. Yeah, me too. The second part of that trade hasn't really worked out either. Uh, as no, AJ so that's, Pollock. That's a, yeah, it, I was I was it has a, it, it, it has it. And really, I mean, Nick Madrigal hasn't worked out yet for the Cubs, so nobody's quite happy yet. Uh, yeah, even the Dodgers. The Dodgers are not thrilled with Kimbrel. No one's happy right now. And any like, of the uh, recent trades. Yeah, it's like one of those one of those lose lose trades, which sounds like a big, like ultra ultra challenging trade, and then at the end, nobody's happy. It's yeah. like you you trade your like your 1989 Mercury Topaz for a. 1988 Sheffield celebrity and like nobody's happy. Uh, <laughs> I guess from a baseball standpoint, I think of the uh, the Michael Pineda Jesus Montero trade. Hmm. Uh, they were both, you know, really excellent kind of prospects, young pick, young players at the time, uh, and neither really worked out at all for their new teams. Uh, now, long term, Pineda's worked out considerably better than Montero did, but it's like in the end, that exciting challenge trade was just kind of a nothing trade. Uh, had no like further consequences. Uh, and that might be the Kimbrel trade. And then the final thing I am hoping that he will not be a factor that the white Sox continue to play so well that it is autopilot for the manager handling the roster, but Tony, the Russa, Dan. Yeah. He... I'm not a Larusa fan. I liked his, I like, I love Tony Larusa baseball for the Genesis. That was a sweet game. Uh, but I don't want Tony La Russa, the manager 2022. That's not a good game. Yeah, it, it hasn't been a very good experience because of how tight this race is going to be. Is is it inevitable that he will have to be he will have to be a factor or any manager for any of these teams that they're going to be a bigger factor than hope to be because their decision making and the decisions that they do make in the game are going to be amplified. I, I think it's inevitable simply because there will be some decisions that are really odd. And even when they're not that earth shattering in the results, it, it, it just looks really awful. Uh, but I mean, I, I think back about that, that intentional walk, the intentional walk, I think everyone knows which one I'm referring to. Uh, the good thing is that in baseball, there's only really so much damage a, a, a lousy manager can do. I know people are going to get mad at me because I'm calling him a lousy manager. Uh, maybe not that many considering the podcast, but uh, I'm just not a fan of him in 2022 as a manager. Uh, what what frustrates me about La Russa is, you know, you have, you have, you know, lots of reports of the sanction of the clubhouse, the team underperforming, kind of just some weird baseball moves. Those are the kind of things that you get an old school manager to avoid. If your old school manager can't keep, players happy and playing well then you can get a mean old stat guy like well not me but you know someone that is in that vein uh if if, if it's just going to be a disaster in that anyway so that's that's kind of the frustrating thing for me and of course because of uh larissa's relationship with reinsdorf uh it's he doesn't have the hot seat as a manager in his position would be in like Charlie Montoyo is not buddies with ownership. So mm -hmm. goodbye, Charlie Montoyo. Yeah, that, that was that was interesting when the Blue Jays made that move. That's another case study this season because we advocated for La Russa to get fired in mid-June. And again, 
good vibes for the White Sox after this all-star break, but it is a critical four-game series at home. The White Sox have been terrible at home. Very good on the road, terrible at home. We cannot make sense of that recent type of play at home because the White Sox have been pretty good at home in recent years. But hopefully Tony La Russa is not as big of a factor as uh, he may be in the final 70 games of this regular season. And hopefully it ends with the White Sox birth into the postseason again and another AL Central Division title. You could follow Dan on Twitter. He's at DZimborski. You could read his excellent work, as always, on Fangraphs.com. He's got a weekly chat as well. So if you have questions about anything in life and baseball, you can ask him. And it's National Hot Dog Day as we record this, Dan. My final question to you, what are your preferred toppings on a hot dog? Well, I I have a few things I like. Uh, I never ketchup. Don't put ketchup on a hot dog. I like... I like mustard and onions or I like kraut or I like the full on, you know, Chicago dog with the sport pepper and all that. Uh, those are my three choices. Although I, I do prefer sweet peppers. I do not like uh, cauliflower. So I'm not big on the hot GR. I can never pronounce that. So Jarnera. Yep. Yeah, I can. I can never pronounce that properly. It's it's pathetic. Um, the the hot stuff. And <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> that's. That's close enough. I, I thought you were to say Skyline Chili. I'm a bit disappointed. Oh, God, no. How dare you? <laughs> you know, Josh, I know you know me well enough that I would never put Skyline Chili on a hot dog. For those who aren't familiar with Cincinnati Chili, it's it's the local Cincinnati version of Chili, which is like Chili uh, if it tasted like pumpkin pie filling because they put cinnamon and chocolate. And I'm not talking about like bitter Mexican chocolate. I'm talking about milk chocolate is in the Chili. And then they put it on either spaghetti, which makes no sense, or these really bizarre hot dogs, which they call conies, which are like these small gray hot dogs, which look nothing like a Coney Island hot dog. It, those, those gray dog penis hot dogs were never, made, were never sold by Nathan's. There, there won't be a hot dog eating contest for those. Uh, that is the Cincinnati chili experience. And it is the worst thing about living in Ohio. <laughs> uh, noted, but Dan, excuse me. I think it's, I think we're supposed to say the Ohio by law. So the, the Ohio. Ohio now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, as always, thank you so much for joining us in the socks machine podcast. Thanks for having me as always, Josh. And that will do it for this episode of the socks machine podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to our friend, Dan Zaborski of fangraphs.com joining us. Whether you are brand new to Socks Machine or a longtime lurker of Socks Machine, you can help support us at patreon.com slash Socks Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of the podcast and website. When we have new Socks Machine swag, they are the first ones to get it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Socks Machine. The Sox Machine podcast, you can listen to it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. And the Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your own for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.